Hello, welcome to the Express Results Bulletin for Season 2, Episode 7. Nick and I are going to tackle the Results Bulletin just between the two of us. So we got some general comments on this episode. We've got a brand new listener called Ed, who says, I discovered your fantastic podcast and binged the whole lot in the past fortnight. Thanks. And not only that, Ed is our newest member of the Patreon Supporters Club. Straight in there with a supporters pledge. Welcome, Ed. And Ed's left some great comments as well, which we will get to. And a general question from Alex. Question for the stats guy, he says. That's me. Is this the first week where the song from the 1960s is the longest of the bunch? Well, I had a lot of fun researching this. Quite easy. Just went through the Spotify playlist. It is not the first week when the songs from the 60s has been the longest of the bunch. There has been one other such week, and that was the week when the 60s had Jimi Hendrix all along the Watchtower. However, apart from that, the 1960s has had the shortest song in almost every single episode, with the exception of just three episodes when it was the 70s, one episode when it was the 80s. 60s is normally the shortest song. They are chapter and verse. I would have guessed all along the Watchtower there. If you'd asked me to guess, that's what I would have said. Interesting, though, do you not think it's coming full circle? Because if you look at run times for mm. current songs, they're back in the two-something, aren't they? They're back in the 220s and stuff these days. Maybe for the 2020s. But when I looked at which decade had had the longer songs, comparing all six, it was actually weighted towards the 2000s, the 2010s. I would have expected the 90s, but not in this selection. Right. In last place, and by the way, I thought these votes were all over the place and I didn't know until I totted up about a day ago how it was going to finish. But we got a clear set of results. And in the last place, earning minus one point for the 2000s, it's Usher with Burn. So we've got some comments, starting with a positive one from Mark. Mark says, this has been a very pleasant surprise to me. I don't remember it at all. I've never been a fan of Usher's club bangers while acknowledging their place in the culture, but I'm liking this a lot. Jeff says, I can't tell if I love or hate this. Rapping with a tune that isn't singing is quite clever, but the slow click dull drum machine all the way through pushed it to the bottom of the pile. Ed says, like fire, this is without form or shape. Unlike a fire, it is in no way hot. Burn, not even a mild singe. And James, Centres of Sound, says, When I very foolishly imagined that I hate his R&B, this is what I thought it all sounded like. Oh, that's interesting. See, I I think it is what it all sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> you know on streaming services where when you finish a playlist that it automatically carries on and it plays things it thinks you like. Yeah. For the last two weeks, every time it's finished a playlist, it's played Burn by Usher because it thinks I like it because I listen to it a lot in the space of a few days. <laughs> and I don't know how to tell the streaming service that I really don't like it other than keep skipping it. But anyway. If it's Spotify, there is a thing you can do, but I haven't used it in years. But um, there might be a way of ridding yourself of Usher. Good luck with that. Um, Trev isn't here, so we can shame Trev. Because in the main episode, Trev said that one of the only two Usher songs he liked was Closer. As I later discovered, 
Usher never recorded a song called Closer. That was a hit for the entirely different artist, Neo. Neo recorded Closer. I can't understand how you'd possibly get those two mixed up. (laughs) Right, into the Met Zone. First up in the Met Zone, representing the 2010s, we have Problem by Ariana Grande featuring Iggy Azalea. Malcolm the Break Doctor says, now this is how you do a breakup song. The only problem is with the production quality and the shady sounds better in saxo beat sax. Aster says, if someone told me she has a cameo in the Barbie movie, I'd believe them. From all reports, she seems like a lovely young woman, but she has not been well served by her producers. Unless, as Trev said, hits were her only goal. Ed says... Take away Iggy Azalea's bits, and this is a perfectly fine danceable tune, even if it feels very much like a first draft. And a longer comment from Mark, who says, Ariana Grande does indeed come across as if she's trapped in a Snapchat filter, and Iggy Azalea is deeply uh, problematic. But I think there is more personality in Ariana Grande's work than you guys suggest. And it might be the case that this song does sound ropey on a decent sound system. But as I've only ever heard it on the telly or a MacBook, that's never troubled me. In the same way, there were lots of songs that used to sound better coming out of a treat transistor radio than they did through quadraphonic speakers. I like the contrast between the light, melodic feel of the verses and the grinding hook. The guest rap has no inherent worth, but I think sonically it fits okay. Good defence there, Mark. Yeah, Trev did make that point, didn't he, about drill music sounds like it's designed to be played on a phone. So maybe it is designed to be played also on a phone, probably, because that's where a target audience is probably seeing it, isn't it, on YouTube? Yeah, and like when I was a teenager, we were all very proud and competitive about our hi-fi stereo sound systems, and we bore on about the specs. Today's teenagers, they don't have hi-fis. Can't imagine any teenager having a hi-fi now. They are all playing it on the phones and Bluetooth speakers and smart speakers. So it was unfair of me to sound test Ariana on decent speakers, I suppose. Right. Also in the Met Zone, not far ahead of Ariana, representing the 1990s, Ah, it's wet, wet, wet. Love is all around. Mark says, I share neither your fondness for the wets nor the work of Richard Curtis. Wet, wet, wet never really crossed my mind, but Curtis I regard as a blight on cinema. A whole new annoying thing I noticed this time is the way the guitar echoes the vocal melody after every line. To me, this is deeply cloying and eternally irritating. Believe me, it didn't take the thousand weeks at the top of the charts for this to grate on me. Ed says, I was expecting unanimity, just not that unanimity. This had been number one when I left primary school in summer 94 and was still at number one in autumn when I started secondary school. We thought of it as bad music for parents and we were correct. Compare and contrast with one Charles Aznavour. David... David is a lifelong huge REM fan, by the way, for context. He says, Lovers All Around owes its presence on the Four Wedding soundtrack to REM reviving it in their 1991 Bingo Hands Job show. They also performed it on radio gigs to promote Out of Time. So I was thoroughly sick of it by the time Wet 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 appeared with a very similar version. 
before REM, a cover of the Trogs would never have been considered for four weddings. Hmm. And James, Centres of Sound, he says, time has not mellowed me on this smug and bombastic anthem. 1994 was the time I was really getting into music and this thing hogging up the charts for what felt like the entire year set it up as the enemy. I hate wet, wet, wet. Interesting that James uses that specific phrase because I have Joris on Twitter to thank for sending us a screenshot of Jarvis Cocker on top of the pops with pulp while Wet 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 were at number one. He was performing Babies. And during his performance, he opened up his jacket and inside the lining of his jacket, there was a handwritten sign saying, I hate Wet Wet Wet. So clearly James, as a nascent pulp fan, was Team Jarvis. Are you disappointed, Nick? I'm not disappointed. It turns out that we're the exception there to have a fond nostalgia for having not heard it in 20, 30 years. Mm. Whereas everybody else seems to still be stuck in the summer of 1994. Yeah, they're not over it yet. No. Whereas we were. It's a curious thing. They're still performing it on the Top of the Pops 1994 reruns, and they're still looking reasonably enthusiastic about playing it. I think the last one I saw on Friday was its very last week at number one, and I think it's yet another live satellite link-up. And I think by that stage, they're probably faking the enjoyment because that was the week they decided to delete it from sale. Right. Top three time. We've got our earliest three decades stacked up for the top three. So in third place, only one point for the 1960s, it's the animals with House of the Rising Sun. Mark says, with this and she and two tribes, it's very much the Mount Rushmore week. Pop monuments, it's hard to hear as just songs. But trying very hard to hear this as an actual piece of music, there's lots to like. The guitar arpeggios, the organ. I don't even mind Eric Burden. Ed says... This has all the descriptors I usually like. Blues rock, 1964, New Orleans. But I find the whole thing a little plodding and I really can't get on with the vocals, which drift from essentially talking to awkwardly straining, often within the same line. However, despite all that, it's still pretty good. Alex says it's the quintessential learning the guitar song, but it's the singer and organ player who make it, plus the drummer. There's real pain and hurt in that vocal, especially in the verse after the organ solo. Magnificent. David, who put it in last place, says, I've been bored by House of the Rising Sun ever since Sixth Form has proudly performed it at a school assembly in 1972. And the writer is someone who quite likes the animals and even saw them once or twice. <sighs> Massive disparity on what they all thought about Eric Burden's vocals there. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the organ bit. That was the point you made, wasn't it? That Alan mm. Price, the organist, was the one credited with the arrangement and the songwriting credits, wasn't it? So the yeah. organ is a factor on it. But I feel, I think, a little bit the same as the overall view there, which is just a bit meh. Yeah, it was significantly ahead of Wet Wet Wet. It was significantly clear of the Met Zone. It got enough first and second places to edge it forward, regardless of the selection of comments, I guess. So in second place, earning two points for the 1970s, She by Charles Aznavour. Asta. Asta lives in Quebec. This is important. Asta says, I have to say, Le Petit Charles, le dernier vrai chanteur de France, is in a category all by himself amongst this group. 
an exceptional songwriter with a voice that could soften even the most cynical of listeners. Haw, he haw, he haw, that, brackets, hair toss. I'm not at all surprised she didn't make the charts in France at the time. Ethnic Armenians were not in fashion. Notorious French xenophobia, anyone? It was only when the rest of the world started to take notice that his star began to slowly rise at home. Quebec considers him one of the all-time greats. France finally got round to professing adoration when he died. Jeff says, the lyrics don't make a blind bit of sense. She likes ketchup in her chips. She throws up on sailing ships. She's the rough before the smooth. She's the push before it moves. Dot, dot, dot. Alex says, I quite like the concept that a Frenchman singing a French song in his French accent is deploying a, quote, cliche French accent. While James says, I've been trying for two weeks to work out why I can't take this seriously. And I've finally twigged that it's because of Barry Cryer singing the tune with the lyrics from Captain Beaky on I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. Sorry, Charles, not your fault. Did you do your homework? Did you listen to some Charles Aznavour? I'm really pleased you asked that because, yes, I did do my Aznavour homework. At Marcello on Twitter was a big help. By the way, Marcello recalls the first time he heard the insult, Charles Asno voice, was on a Radio 2 comedy sketch show in 1975 called Hello Cheeky. Good knowledge there. I asked for recommendations from Marcello, and he recommended an entire album recorded in the French language in 1967 called Entre Deux Rêves, Between Two Dreams. And it is a fantastic album from start to finish. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Haven't done the homework to find out what it's singing about. Marcello maintains that although the Herbert Kretzmer translations are excellent, you don't really get the full flavour of the man unless you hear the original French. So that's choice number one. Choices number two are English language recordings. So I've gone for Happy Anniversary from 1975 and one of his classics that I didn't know before, Yesterday When I Was Young from 1970. It's a bit like I would much rather watch a subtitled film than a dubbed one. It's the same theory, isn't it? I'd rather hear the original language, I think. It's been a good learning journey and I'm sure there are many more gems for you to discover. So in first place... Earning three points for the 1980s, Two Tribes by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Malcolm says, an absolutely classic track for me. Felt revolutionary at the time. I was 12 the year this came out. Loved it back in the day, and it's still such a great tune. Alex says, nothing Trevor Horn does will ever not be thrilling. And at the end of the day, I'm more likely to listen to this than the wets. David said, I did listen to the full 15-minute Frankie, and it failed to make me love it rather than admire it, but it's still a clear winner. James says, I'm slightly too young to really remember this coming out, or the nuclear panic of the 80s, but my God, it is a thrilling piece of music. And when I'm listening to it, I feel like it's the best pop song of all time. Frankie was struggling in the votes to begin with, But there was a late surge which sent them all the way very convincingly to the top slot. So what people of my generation can only regard as a seismic pop moment because we were there at the time actually has turned out to be the clear favourite. I'm pleased about that. Listening to it again since we spoke, I think what really got me is that these days no songs have an introduction because they go straight into the song. Otherwise, you skip it and you lose a stream. Right. So every song just goes straight in. What I love about Two Tribes is its introduction is 
operatic you know you get the sirens you get that orchestral bit and then it kicks in with like the bass and stuff it is Mm. phenomenal it feels like something really important is about to happen get ready good device and a lot of the other comments homed in on the baseline there was a lot of love for the two tribes baseline quite right too let's see how this affects the master scoreboard fairly steady on the master scoreboard this week i can report that the 1960s have gone up one place from number six number five however it's up from number six to fifth equal a position it shares with the 2010s Still in fourth position, 2000s with three points. Still in third position, the 1990s, five points. Still in second position, the 1970s with nine points. And increasing their lead with 15 points at number one. It's those unassailable 1980s yet again. I mean, we've only got three more episodes now. It's going to take a miracle to shift the 1980s, I think. It's been a very strong run, hasn't it? The 60s is a real surprise, isn't it? Because he won season one, didn't it? It's just the magic randomizers churned out a right load of old drivel. Yeah, and for any conspiracy theorists out there, it really is a magic randomizer. The temptation to curate has never been succumbed to. I will respin the magic randomizer if it comes up with a re-release of a previous decade. I'll respin if it comes up with an artist that we've only just discussed other than that. It's whatever comes up, basically. In, in all fairness, there's nobody accusing you of curating the content when we've had both Manfred Mann and Tight Fit twice. <laughs> Good point. Right. We shall bid you farewell for the results bulletin. So bye from me. Bye, Nick. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye-bye.